so I might need to take the dog out for a walk because it sounds like he's being a twat. He'll be fine. <laughs> you guys are making a podcast. asked for this so welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me ian harris me graham jones and this week we are going to martoey um rotteny rotteny sounds slightly more like we're gonna do something wrong yeah that's that's um harkens back to like your rotten.com days doesn't it ah uh, rotten funnily enough i was talking i was talking about rotten to my fiance's brother <laughs> <laughs> a couple of days ago, which is a weird combination of words. Yeah. Weird combination of words. I'm fairly sure my dad introduced me to that website. I mean, it was... I think it, we've spoken about this before on the podcast, haven't we? We, we have talked we about Rotten down. and Ogrish. Yeah, Yeah, we went down that hole. Yeah, and then we went down a Rate My Poo, rate my poo Hole, which is not yeah. something you necessarily want to say, because Rate My Poo Hole just sounds like you're writing someone's bum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my fiance's brother also reminded me of um, Meat Spin. Yeah. And we kept trying to remember the name of the song, and then it eventually shuffled onto a Spotify playlist. Excellent. It's like nice. It's like everything is the the stars have aligned for all things meet spinny and leak spin. Anyway, so what we are doing today is we are talking about rotten movies we love, mm. and that is uh, obviously Rotten Tomatoes ratings. Yeah, and if you haven't got that by now, you just need to catch up. Hey, do we go through our favourite tomato-based products now or, or later in the episode? Um, I, now, what's your favourite tomato-based product? Uh, probably tomato. A tomato, as in a... Big, big fan of a tomato. Um, what kind of tomato, though? Uh, so my, my actual favourite tomato-based product is, uh, and apologies to all of our vinegar-based fans, but a tomato-based barbecue sauce. Oh, interesting. I like a mustard-based barbecue sauce. Like, uh, is it the Carolina, I think? Carolina's a mustard-based. Mustard I, I think that's where I, I would go with a barbecue. That's my, that's my go-to. The, my, the, the one I always used to make was... <laughs> my favourite thing with making any sauce you make, you realise that sauce is basically just sugar. Oh, there's a ton of it. So there, it was a load there? of yeah. ketchup, a load of, like, cherry Coke. Right. Which is now... it's kind of difficult to do now because the majority of flavored coke is like the diet or zero variety of it yeah it's harder to get an actual full fat cherry coke now yeah that's a proper back in my days thing to say also it really annoys me when people say full fat coke because there's no fat in it at all full sugar coke yeah um and don't you forget it <laughs> that that's the one takeaway from this episode yeah uh but, but yeah why so do people call it full fat coke uh because the opposite of diet is full fat is it though? I don't think so. It, it, it's not, but I think the public perception of it is. Well, and that is why we are going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, yeah. It's it goes, <laughs> COVID. Yeah, Brexit. People calling non-diet Coke full fat Coke. Absolutely, and people need to realise that. So, rotten tomatoes for those who do not know. I mean, not that you ask, but a sun-dried tomato. Sun-dried tomato. Yeah. Oh, that is a good chat. I'm not not a. Would you just eat a sun-dried tomato? I mean, I would. I would probably have it with other uh, yeah, things, yeah. but I think it's nice as like a like a tapasy thing. Okay. 
for, for me, it's definitely something that brings the flavor out of other things rather than something I like itself. Yeah. But then also I'm saying that like I would sit eating barbecue sauce with a spoon, which to be fair, I probably would never admit to it apart from now on this podcast, but I would, I 100% would. Well, we're realizing things about ourselves today. So Rotten Tomatoes was founded in 1998 uh, by three students from the University of Berkeley and is currently the 578th most popular website in the world. According to Alexa. Can you uh, give us a rundown of the 577 websites that are more popular? Uh, I cannot, but in keeping with the spirit of this podcast, I do have the top three. <laughs> uh, can, you, can you guess what the top three are? Google. I think with a bit of, bit of thinking, I mean, you've already got one. Google? Yeah. Amazon? No. Oh, Facebook? No. Oh. Are they all search engines? Uh, no, only one of them is. Obviously, because we're a podcast, you're, you're, you're clearly got like an audio bias. Right. So th- think more video-y. Oh, YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the third one I don't think you'd get. Pornhub. No. Uh, <laughs> tmail.com. Tmail? Tmail. Never heard of or it. Or Tmall, I guess. It is a Chinese B2C site. Okay. So I'm fairly sure it is. Like uh, an Alibaba kind of so thing. So I think they own it. Uh, okay. Yeah. So... A lot of the top-ranked websites were Chinese. Yeah. Because There's... those are the only websites. <laughs> they could they're the only ones that they're allowed to go to. And yeah. there are... It's a fairly populous nation. <laughs> yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes is a ratings website. And it's... I was going to say basically, but it is literally just the percentage of positive reviews a film has. Yeah. So film is certified fresh if it hits a number of criteria so if it's a wide release it's got to have over 75 percent positive reviews yeah from at uh, from at least 80 reviews and five of those have to be from top critics so i think like people whose actual day job it is being a movie critic right um if it's a limited release it's 75 percent from 40 reviews anything is something is considered fresh if it's anything above 60 percent and anything is rotten, which is what we're thinking about, is below 60%. Mm. And I don't know about you, but kind of researching this just made me sad. <laughs> There's a lot of very good films which are down as rotten. Yeah, I weirdly, I went in for quite a few that I thought that I like, that I thought would be, and actually yeah. turned out not to be. So like, Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. I thought surely, like, because I know actually a lot of horror movies. I was like, surely a lot of these are going to be like, because I, I don't know, people. I think it's horror and comedy tend to get reviewed quite poorly. Um, it's like you're reading my reading my notes. <laughs> Drag Me to Hell was something like ninety seven percent. Okay, I didn't think it would be ninety seven percent. No, I I, I, I I thought this was going to be. It got like sixty four. Is that no, wow? Well done. Um, yeah, let me double. To check. be fair, it's a fucking great film. It is a great film. Sam Raimi, right? I think. Yeah. And it was it was his return to horror. Yeah, ninety two percent. Sorry. Oh wow. Yeah, and I was like, surely that's because I really like Dragon Me Tell. I think yeah. it's a fantastic film. I don't. A lot of people have seen it. I don't know that a lot of people think it's really really good. But yeah, ninety two percent audience score, only sixty two. That's interesting. So I had a look through, and Rotten Tomatoes do have like their top one hundred films list. Yeah. And it is based on a formula and an algorithm I do not understand. Any guesses for what's in the top 10? Top 100. Uh, sorry, so top 10 
as in so this is the same as like the imdb top yeah. top rated yeah so they're they're not films i don't think any of them actually have a hundred percent right on tomatoes but i think some of them might have like 97 percent, but they've been reviewed three thousand times right, okay. kind of thing so that's kind of like a weighted thing yeah, yeah. chucked around uh, i'm guessing inceptions up there no oh no there, there are some very not weird unexpected yeah so the top three are all from the 30s okay i don't know many 30s films you you would you definitely watched one okay uh the other two i haven't watched and one of those i don't know what it is um okay not, not just that the top film yeah I had to Google because I thought it was a Nicolas Cage film. But not only is it not, but it's also from 1934. I mean, to be fair, would you be that surprised if it turned out that actually Nicolas Cage was in a film from 1934 somehow? Oh, not in the slightest. Um, no, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to shoot. Okay, so uh, the top top three. Uh, number three, The Wizard of Oz. Okay. Uh, number two is Modern Times, Don't which know. is Chaplin, I think. Right. And then number one is It Happened One Night. Number four, Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, number five, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, number six is Parasite. Yeah. Number seven is Endgame. Okay. Eight is Casablanca. Yeah. Nine, Knives Out. Oh. Fair enough. Which is the surprise of the surprising picks. And number ten, um, Jordan Peele horror movie. Us. Us. Nice. Which, again, is... Su- it's it's not a surprise yeah. that somebody has recognised a Jordan Peele movie as one of the best films ever made. It is a surprise they've gone us over Get Out. Yeah, although I mm, oh do I prefer mm. it? But I thought for crit- sheer critical acclaim. I thought Get Out was like the yeah true. That's the like the, the gold standard, isn't it? Yeah. So forty four films have a zero percent rating. Yeah. And The Ringer did research and said a 0% film, on average, loses $26 million. Oof. And yeah, I, I mean, what's your, what's your take on Rotten Tomatoes? Because I know a lot of people, a lot of people are kind of quite, it's quite a weirdly divisive subject where I didn't think it was a divisive subject. I, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't really pay a huge amount of mind mm. to it. In the same, but also, I mean, I think I'm which I guess is kind of massively hypocritical given that we do this week in, week out. I don't really spend a lot of time caring what other people think about films. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've, I've said to you quite a lot as well, like I really try to go into a lot of films blind if I can. Yeah. I vaguely know, you know, this is roughly about something and also that generally has been maybe well received. Or a lot of the stuff now, I guess, I will gear towards directors or actors that I particularly like and go and see something like that. Yeah, but well, like, if you hear a Taika Waititi film's coming out, yeah. you aren't going to have to see the trailer to see if it interests you. No, exactly that. So, Especially given this next film's about football. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely, like, uh, try to go down that route of just really not spending a lot of time... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Reading about what other people think about films or listening, um, which, as I say, massively hypocritical. But you know, that's that's just my approach to things. Yeah, I mean, I I've always used things like Rotten Tomatoes as it's a tiebreak. Yeah. So like, if I'm, well, as as I often do, if I'm uh, at home bored and have need to find a film, 
I'll do what everyone does, which is spend uh, a good solid 45 minutes scrolling through Netflix and Amazon Prime. And like, yeah. if two films look decent and I don't know which one to pick, I'll probably have a look and see which one is the quote unquote better. Yeah. But as we're, I mean, as the, the entire point of this episode, probably best not to put a lot of stock into uh, what people say. I think it's a good rule of thumb, but nothing more than that. There are people who say it's like ruining cinema and things like that because people feel like they have to, if a film isn't certified fresh, it's seen as like a, it does lose a lot of ticket sales. Yeah. But also if it's a 0% film, it's probably losing money because it's shit. Yeah. Is one causing the other? Yeah. Probably not. I don't know. As I said, like maybe it is massively hypocritical, but yeah, I just, I'm not that bothered because that's the thing as well. Like there are things out there that, people like that i really don't like that are rated very well like things like oh actually this would be an interesting one i don't actually know what the score for it is but things like avatar which we've spoken about a lot about how much i dislike it uh 81 so that's what certified fresh avatar yeah that'll be certified fresh avatar is an interesting one because it's the kind of film i would love to see a graph of the score over time Mm. because it definitely was reviewed high then there was a backlash and there was a little bit of like a revision, and then I think there was another backlash. Yeah, but like that's it's a perfect example, right? A lot of people do like that movie. I really don't, and in in vice versa. There's probably a lot of shit that I watch. Watford. The, the there is that. Yeah. Um, going on Wednesday, gonna be freezing. Gonna play Chelsea. Gonna lose heavily. Don't know why I put myself through it, but yeah, we go. Well, do what do what. Um... The Welsh rugby team do and Lose. try and get someone on the other team sent off. It's worked. It's worked great for us the last year. I mean, that is literally the only way that you've won games, isn't it? Yeah. Or do what the Welsh rugby team do and field fifteen men. Has anyone tried we that? Could, we could. We, we absolutely could uh, give that a go. Um, God, I'd, I'd love. I'd love it if someone found out no one had actually written that down in the rule book. Yeah. Someone says Radley turns up with... Actually, nowhere does it say we can't field 33 people. Yeah, it's it, it It technically says... Yeah, I mean, there must be some technicality that you can get around, I'm sure. But yeah, it's... Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, so Avatar, yeah, is again, is a good example. And also there's, yeah, stuff. Because actually... And also, where do you get to with something like a... Like, obviously, we are fans of the good bad movie genre how do you rate how do you like because a good bad movie is a bad movie but it's entertaining and therefore should that be a higher score because I, like what what so i guess it's critical so i think good bad movies generally seem to sit between like 20 percent and 30 percent. yeah because somebody on a cult movie website is going to review it with that in mind yeah like zero percent films are generally unequivocally shit because you would think one person would have you know what i had a whale of a time was it a tammy and the t-rex was like 50 percent yeah yeah it was yeah it was a good 50 percent yeah yeah which also is a good mix of not many people reviewing it but also somebody is gonna say enough positive things for it to trigger a positive rating yeah I think it's, I can't remember what we, I'm sure we quoted it at one point, but talking about basically the folly of trying to rate and review art because it's all completely subjective. Oh yeah. But yeah, 
I guess it serves a purpose. I don't know how many people. I mean, did have you? Do you have you come across many people that have had that that kind of religiously stick to it or use it as a as a barometer for like I'm going to watch this film because it's it's rated well or rated poorly. Um. So speaking for myself, anyway, I think I know more people who will be put off of watching a film because of it. Rather right. than convinced to watch it, okay, which so, I guess is understandable. Well, because if you if you if you don't think you're going to like a film, it's going to take a lot of uh, convincing to turn your opinion around. Yeah, and then you look at it and you're like, well, of course I'm not going to yeah. watch it. It's only rated this much. But then, especially with, uh, I, th- I think my well, no, my, my dad uses kind of the IMDb score a lot more because he's uh, he's of the mindset of uh, suddenly t- two hours has become quite an investment in time. It's like, yeah, that's fair. You want to waste two hours and shit. Yeah, no, you're right. I also go through this thing of like, ah, oh, I want to watch a movie. Ah, oh, I don't want to watch. I, I then do the Netflix forty five minutes thing. Oh, I've now wasted forty five minutes. So I won't bother doing that. I'll just search for a TV show instead. Do another forty five minutes search for a TV show. I've spent an hour and a half looking for watching anything. Could have watched. A ninety-minute film at this time, but yeah. I just spent it convincing myself. And they're like, "Well, it's too late now. I'm going to go to bed, lay in bed, can't sleep. Could have watched another film. Um, <laughs> could have watched Avatar. Could have, could have watched. Yeah, I mean that would have sent Pretty me to sleep. sleep. <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, we we we've, we've recently done it again. Of uh, should we watch a film? I don't know. How about we just rewatch every episode of House? <laughs> so uh, that's my life right now. Yeah, but hey. Another lockdown coming from the sounds of it, so I've got the time. Yeah. And on, on that that happy note, uh You've got I believe it's one. my 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 film have, recommendation. Yes. So uh what tomatoey goodness do you have for us today? Okay, so I I was going to do Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. But I thought Too obvious. It's too obvious and I haven't actually seen it. Uh, I feel like if I'm recommending something, you know, it's going to have my name attached to it. It's got to be something I've actually seen. So, according to Wikipedia and my quick copy and pasting skills into an Excel spreadsheet, there are 391 films with a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, are you going to rate suggest all of them so these are 390 what no so i just kind of went through the list and thought i would just pick one that was rated 100 percent that i would kind of agree with okay and then kind of took away the films we may have talked about before so my recommendation today is the 100 percent rated his house from 2020 this was another film i thought maybe wouldn't have had as a good rating yeah and i went on to it and i was like oh it's 100% rated. I can't use this in this week's choices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another 100% rated film, Host. I also did the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was torn between the two because both are fucking incredible films. But we've talked a bit about Host before. Yeah. And not His House. So His House is uh, it's a horror movie. It's about a refugee couple who escape from South Sudan and get put up in a home in kind of this English town. And there's evil lurking under the surface blah 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 blah. and it's all about whether um you know like assimilating to culture and things like that clinging on to what you've left behind and you know people's place in the world and stuff like that 
and it's just phenomenal. Legitimately, I mean, to be fair, it absolutely deserves the hundred. Oh, oh, so. oh, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, I I was extremely surprised because I didn't yeah. necessarily think that it would get one. Well, it, it was in contention for my. It was on my short list for top three movies of last year. Yeah, like it, it truly is. Uh, and if you're, I, I would strongly encourage it, even if you aren't a horror fan, just because it has a lot to say. I mean, especially with. Not to make the podcast too real, but especially kind of like the whole, you know, the there is a big conversation about refugees right now. Yeah. Um, and it has a lot to say about that. And I just think it is a, again, it is a beautifully done film. Well, it's one of those ones that kind of, it, it subverts the genre, doesn't it? Yeah. Because yes, it's a horror movie, but it's, it's about so much more. And it's, sim- it's simultaneously... Uh, supernatural horror movie and a commentary on society <laughs> yeah like a political horror movie i guess yeah. but it's just very yeah very very well done yeah i i think it's great if people are maybe not looking for a horror movie that is certified fresh 100% um is there anything um else you would recommend this week perhaps maybe you know the one film that probably is has a rating higher than 100% on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, yeah, so my, my thinking for my second choice was, uh, you know, you do have some, like, hipsters out there, right, who don't like watching things that are, like, highly, highly critically acclaimed. Like, 100% will put them off yeah. kind of thing. It's like, oh, well, you know, I think I'm above that. That kind of shit. Yeah. So what I thought is maybe I'll look for a film that is still still like rated highly but kind of lower like not as imposingly high yeah to try and kind of captivate them in and i know you mentioned horror which is good because this is primarily down on rotten tomatoes as a mystery and thriller so uh that is the 83 percent rated uh ariaster's midsummer so that's i mean that's uh do we do we do we stop the, the podcast here and do we have to sort this out <laughs> How is it only 83%? Uh, so I, I can break it down more. Uh, 331 uh, fresh reviews. Yeah. 67 rotten. So in the in the spirit of, I mean, today, not going to lie, today's going to be a lot of me reading and then complaining about reviews. Okay. So let's, let's, just, let's just click on rotten and, and see what's there, shall we? Yeah. So like, so there are two negative reviews from the same website, which doesn't make any sense to me. One of which is a little too serious. What the film was a little too serious. Yeah, apparently. Or the review was a little too serious. Other reviews, it's really just not my cup of tea. Not to say it's a bad film, but I would never watch it again. It's like, all right, sounds like you haven't watched a film that's for you. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's not really a review, is it? That's uh. Oh, here we go. The film, unlike Hereditary, leaves no reverber no no reverberations on the audience. That leaves the theatre quite indifferent. I mean, that's bullshit. That's just not true. I'd say it does more so than Hereditary. I have had people who. Didn't even necessarily find the film as kind of masterful as we did. Have still messaged me and says, I can't stop thinking about that film. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, some of these. Ah, medium popcorn. Those cunts popped up on another of my choice. Uh, The performances saved the movie, as did the amazing cinematography. That sounds like a good film, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. If it wasn't for the people in it and the fact it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, like, what is, what what are they after? What, 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 What more do you people want? Ari Aster is drunk on his own self-importance. You, 
Jordi Costa from some Spanish newspaper, you can fuck yourself. Uh, anyway, yeah, you should watch Midsummer. It's amazing. Yeah. We it. should. We need to. We can find a way to do it. So, obviously, as Graham mentions at the end of every episode, we have the podcast nobodyasked4.co.uk. If we just post one review on it of Midsummer, can we. Oh. Would it bring the number up to uh, 84? I mean, I feel like it's it's a experiment worth trying. Let's look into it. I mean, and again, if some of these are to go, we can both post a review of it on the. Yep. Let's see what we can sort out. Anyway, uh, time for uh, time for the rest of the podcast. Time for the rest of the podcast. Time uh, to get rotten. Time to get more rotten. more tomatoes than Pampalona. Is that where they do the tomato running? No, that's the that's where they run away from the bulls. Where's the tomato throwing? Tomato throwing in Spain. Uh, La Tomatina, which is the... Uh, is that the name of the... Fe- that's got to that's be the name, the of, name the of the festival. Yeah, that's not, I mean, that would be a very... I mean, it, if, that was the, if that was what the town was called, absolutely well, makes sense got to do this. Um, it's in the Valencian town of Bunol, uh, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong, in participants throw tomatoes at each other for purely for entertainment purposes. Nice. I like the idea of somebody turning up to what they think is a tomato throwing festival. <laughs> and it's <laughs> running from the balls. Someone releasing balls. <laughs> so I'm attacking these in descending order from... So they're all obviously rotten, because that's what we're doing here. But this is the least rotten, um, I guess, if we're going on highest percentage. So this one comes in at a critic score of 56%, which I guess ultimately, you know, that's over half, you know, over half marks. Maybe it's not that bad. Is rotten, is rotten too harsh a word? I don't know. However, given that it is Spaceballs, it is far too low of a uh, rating, regardless of I'd say probably even if you're up in the 70s, I'd say it's probably too low. Yeah, I still, uh, to phrase it like this was a long time ago, I still look back fondly on the profanity I spewed when you told me Spaceballs was down as a rotten film. Yeah, it's um, it's just one. It's it's a great film. It's one of the, it's. I mean, it's one of the great parody movies. I'd say it probably is up there in kind of defining the genre. Um, it certainly paved the way. I think for many lesser parodies, certainly in the early two thousands. I'm looking at you, Scary Movie one to two hundred and thirteen, or whatever one we got to seven. Yeah, probably. There were a lot of them. Yeah. And then they also had the offshoots that were like jumping on the bandwagon, like me oh, the Spartans and things like that. Epic movie and yeah. superhero movie. Not another teen movie. Hey, not another teen movie isn't bad. Banging soundtrack. Yeah. But also Marilyn Manson, so that's not ideal now. Oh, yeah, good point. But yeah, I mean, Space Wars, a very, very good cast. You've got Rick Moranis, John Candy, Mel Brooks, Bill Pullman, Joan Rivers, and... It does, you know, obviously the, the main kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say it's an attack, the main kind of um, lampooning is obviously around Star Wars. It's very heavily and obviously a Star Wars parody, but it does also, it does also lovingly rip off a number of other films. So you've got Alien, Planet of the Apes, Wizard of Oz, 2001 A Space Odyssey, but also in a way that's kind of not resorting to the lowest common denominator of humour. Um, I'm looking at you, Scary Movie 1 to 213, or whatever one we got to. Um, it's Seven? <laughs> it's, um, 
it's cleverly done and it's 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 a lot of fun and there's a lot of hidden sort of bits and pieces in the background there's some great some of like the product placement bits are fantastic i think space balls the cereal is 100 percent sugar which is um which is one of the, the great visual like, gags i do love space balls my, um, my favorite visual gag from it is um when they're watching space balls yeah this is rented it right yeah he's yeah. he's you can now rent films before they're made yeah, and there's a part where they're watching now. Yeah, as in now. <laughs> yeah, it's done very well. Um, Funny, I haven't watched that in years. Also, I didn't realize. Um, do you know there's a novelization of it? No. Do you know who wrote it? Stephen King. No, uh, but another horror writer, R.L. Stein of Goosebumps. Fame. Oh wow! <laughs> Pre Goosebumps. I assume so. I feel like Goosebumps all came out when we were sort of like primary school age. I, I yeah, oh, that's that's true. Or at least we're coming out, so I'm not sure. I can't picture where R.L. Stein actually kind of, I was going to say sits, but then you would just say a chair. Well, yeah, in, in, in probably in his house. The Goosebumps movie with Jack Black is surprisingly good. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the... Because um, was there a couple? or There was two, but I think one of them's worth watching. Okay. Um, and they Fair did that. the Fear Street ones, which isn't Goosebumps. It's based on another R.L. Stein book. Right. Uh, Spaceballs. Yeah, yeah. Fear Street's an adaptation of Spaceballs, the novelization. <laughs> but yeah, and it's it's a weird one. Again, like if you sort of go down the route of where the like issues that people seem to be taking with it are, it's 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 weird. You've got um, Dwayne Burge of the Hollywood Reporter saying that um, space films are Mel Brooks's latest target in the Star Wars parody that might be more appropriately titled Shtick Wars. Empire in 2011 said it was unforgivable then and unforgivable now. Um, you know, if someone says shtick in terms of a parody film, especially about Mel Brooks, they're a cunt. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. We're calling out a lot of people by name here. I like it. Um, Variety also said uh, Mel Brooks will do anything for a laugh. I mean, that's kind of his his thing, isn't it? Um, but he was in. Um, you rewatched Band of Brothers recently? Yes. Uh, Mel, Mel Brooks was in the Battle of the Bulge. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, I don't know if he was uh, Bastogne, but he was in Battle of the Bulge. Yeah. Apparently, he set up a load of speakers and played Jewish artists um, nice. at the German lines because Mel Brooks turns out to be a war hero. <laughs> but yeah, there they go on to say what he. Unfortunately, what he does in Space Wars is a misguided parody of the Star Wars adventures. Isn't very funny. When did it come out? Eighty-seven. Okay. So all, all three had come out? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's weird to say about a film which is very funny. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's the other thing, right? I mean, I'm sure we'll come across this in a lot of ours, but the the rotten score here was 56. Audience, uh, in terms of the tomato meter, audience score, 83%. I think, you know, that's held in wide regard. And maybe there's an element of the kind of, like, cult movie status that it has yeah. that maybe doesn't appeal so much to the to the critics but i don't know i was um yeah i was i was pretty surprised to find it um on the uh rotten um side of the spectrum yeah i don't i don't get that at all it'd be interesting where his other films sit on it because i assuming if you don't everything you would say about well like broad sweeps anyway everything you would say about Spaceballs is applicable to 80% of the things uh, Mel Brooks has done. Yeah. 
It's like there's no way you would say uh, you liked you. You can't like Young Frankenstein and not like Spaceballs. I think they're two kind of intrinsically linked. Yeah, but there is Young Young Frankenstein, ninety four percent certified fresh. I don't get it. I don't think Spaceballs is as good. No, I, I not necessarily. But, but there is isn't a world where it should be down as rotten. No, no, certainly not fifty six percent. I'm not. I'm not. Not having that. But yeah, it's um, it's it's one of the more surprising ones, and I'm I'm just massively happy about the situation <laughs> but yeah i think um and well it'll be a fairly common theme throughout my choices but it seems that comedies get a bit of a raw deal when it comes to critics i do wonder why maybe in some instances they're not necessarily seen as like a legitimate movie genre deserving of critical acclaim like people i think still think certain comedies are good movies there seems to be like this element of, I don't know, I can't be a serious journalist if I'm saying that this is a critically good film as yeah. a comedy. Yeah, I, uh, we, will, we, will, we will come on to something similar on my next choice. But yeah, I fucking love Spaceballs. What, what are your favourite Mel Brooks films? I've not seen a whole host, to be honest. I think, I think probably Spaceballs is up there because I don't think I've seen that many. Let me just double check and run through. I mean, it's obviously it's better than Robin Hood Men in Tights. Ah, uh, it's funny you said that because I was about to say Robin Hood Men in Tights is one of my. I fucking <laughs> love that film. It um, is. It is stupid, but it's. Uh, yeah, I stupid. Think, do you know what? I think that might be the only other one I've seen, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, I think. Um, so I've got a lot of time for. Uh, Spaceballs, and I think probably because, and maybe maybe there's an element of it for me that because it is like a it's a parody, but it's kind of like a love letter parody style, yeah. and I've got a lot of time for Star Wars, and also all of the kind of films that it lovingly rips off. So that definitely plays into it, and maybe there's some bias around people not liking sci-fi movies. I don't know, but yeah, Spaceballs is definitely not rotten. What 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 I've what I've done is uh got i'm not gonna lie i've got really depressed looking into all of this right it's like we said there's a lot of films i really like that i then searched and they were really low this film has 28 percent on rotten tomatoes i mean that is low um but it has an audience score of 61 percent so this uh, i mean and i'm sure we'll talk about this throughout this seems to be a fairly common theme and it it seems to go kind of both ways right so sometimes mm. when you've got a high critic score you might have a low audience score but also vice yeah. versa oh 100% yeah it's uh, we need to stop saying 100% on this episode <laughs> don't we um so according to rotten tomatoes this film is as good as warcraft right london has fallen yeah rob zombies halloween lesbian vampire killers i mean resident evil retribution and the Nicolas Cage films, Next, Seeking Justice, and Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, and that I is... I Jiu-Jitsu is fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it's an amazing film, but it's not. I think that's the only review yeah. you can really give it. This is true. Um, so my, my choice here is 1997's Event Horizon. Hot damn. That's not, that's not right, is it? I, it? It's not. It was the first one that... I actually said fuck that out loud <laughs> while 
researching this. It's, I don't get it. And I got a, kind of a couple of the reviews. I, I went through the rotten reviews, which is basically doom scrolling. Yeah. Uh, climax follows climax until the weary viewer wants to cry stop already. Um, that's from Bob Thomas from the Associated Press, and that's wrong, because I fucking loved the film. Here we go. Brandon Collins from Medium Popcorn, who we talked about in the beginning with the Midsummer reviews. Yeah. This isn't necessarily a bad movie, but some of the death scenes were just ridiculously brutal. It was disturbing. But it's a horror movie. Well, yeah, exactly that. Yeah. What do you expect? That, that's like giving a negative review to a horror movie saying, you know what, I was a bit scared. It's a bit scary. Yeah, Ooh. it was all—it was too gory and brutal for me. Um, allowed a nasty hunk of science fiction horror, but also, I'm talking very quickly because I'm very, very annoyed. <laughs> Some of these reviews, and th- this one in particular, so allowed a nasty hunk of science fiction horror, which is from a guy called Ryan Gilbury from The Independent. Yeah. A lot of Rotten Tomatoes reviews, I feel like, could be positive depending on the tone. Yeah. So... Allowed a nasty hunk of science fiction horror sounds a bit flippant, but if you ask me, did you like Event Horizon? It's like you know what? It was a loud and nasty hunk of science fiction horror. It's just you know, yeah, it's a weird one. And I'm assuming, obviously, it was meant negatively. The sets are indeed terrific, and the special effects quite remarkable, as the chill of the uncertain future is mixed with a steamy gothic past. But, and this is where you know the guy's a wanker and he lost me. But to paraphrase Winston Churchill, right. We Never were. have so many done so oh, much fuck off. <laughs> to such little purpose. What a twat. What kind of wanker reviews Event Horizon and quotes Winston Churchill? I mean, that's one step away from Martin Luther King, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's, uh... I have a dream that, you know, some days we will have... Some days? Someday we will have a, a spaceship that's powered yeah. by a black hole. Yeah. So quotes Pythagoras, I like triangles, and also Willy's Wonderland is an underrated Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not you, it really doesn't make any sense. That's Paul Tatar from CNN, who just sounds like he didn't understand the film, because yeah. it quite clearly makes sense. It's a spaceship, yeah. it has a black hole generator as an engine, um, it creates a black hole, and I mean, Sam Neill does his whole, like, pushing a pencil through the, the paper thing. Yeah. It goes through, it kind of gets lost in the other side, which is like a hell dimension. It comes back and it's bought shit with it. Fucking easy, Paul. What the fuck are you talking about? And another one, and it's, this is another one which sounds like um, it could have been a positive thing if I was writing it. In yeah. its first hour, Event Horizon is startlingly beautiful and compelling. Its last half an hour is a gore-drenched free-for-all with images of hell that seem to have been lifted directly from a Nine Inch Nails video. Again, sounds great this, to me. This is yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Part of the reason I did that was because that is from uh, a James Sanford of the Kalamazoo Gazette, and I just want to say Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo is one of my favourite places. Never been, probably never will, but it's so much fun to say. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you know, like the have a banana. Kalamazoo. Um, there's there seems to be a real dis. I can't remember which movie it was. It was a while ago, and it was um, it may have been Us or it may have been Get Out. It was like a really kind of critically acclaimed horror movie, mm. and someone wrote a review for it. I want to say maybe the Guardian or the Times or something, and just slated it. 
but they opened with I'm not a fan of horror movies, which look absolutely Jeez, I, I think you i think you sent that to me when it came out yeah absolutely and you, were, you were furious yeah fine if you don't like horror movies but what are you then doing you can't just review it because you don't like horror movies like and then say it's terrible because i that's like me look i really don't like um awful i like most other foods so there's quite niche but i don't like awful right so if i was to do a review of a meal at someone's restaurant and I ordered the fucking kidneys, of course my review is going to be... I'm going to start with you. Uh, I don't like offal, um, and therefore this dish was disgusting. Yeah, per- perfectly cooked, but not for me. Right? Like, the, Yeah, the, the, worst, the worst review story I've ever heard. Ladybird? Yeah, great film. Had a negative review. Yeah. Do you know why? No. Because they said it didn't deserve 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I that mean, was it. Just so the whole point of the review was to bring, was it, down. To bring it down from 100%. Like, there have been cases of, like, um, Citizen, you know, Citizen Kane, I think, was 100%. And then they found a review from the 30s that I slated it. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just like, well, we can't not include it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and same with Paddington 2. They'd missed a review in its early days that didn't like it. But also, if you don't like Paddington 2, what's fucking wrong with it? Oh, you have... You have... Yeah, there's, there's greater, greater issues in your... Uh, oh, yeah. Such a good film. Oh, it's amazing. Obviously, Paddington 2 is where we would go to from Event Horizon. But kind of like what you, what you said at the beginning and then disproved with a number of films, but I still think holds true, Yeah, is just because something is horror doesn't mean it's bad. And I think a lot of reviews, and I mean, definitely kind of like award season, are very critical of horror movies as kind of like kind of like trash tv yeah but event horizon is a very well put together horror movie that has very you know it it has very good kind of uh uh, not all of them but a lot of the effects are very good in it it was trying something that hadn't been done before like like even the negative review said like the set design and the feel of the film is is basically a fucking cathedral in space it's it's incredible and i I think the only thing that wasn't good from a... I think we spoke about this when we spoke about Event Horizon before. I think the only thing that... And it is only now is mm. that some of the effects look a bit dated. But also, yeah. that's us talking about it. What, like, I mean, when did it come out? 97. 97, so nearly 30 years ago. But the, 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 the problem that Event Horizon has, which kind of a lot of films that time do, is it was still a mix of computer effects and practical effects. Yeah. And the practical effects being as good as they are make the like basically like baby steps of computer effects yeah, look so uh, much worse. I think I remember there's a there's a bit near the beginning uh, that folk, it's when it's showing that the the spaceship is empty and yeah. it's just like a an old Sony Discman like floating yeah. in the air and it is a CGI Sony Discman yeah. and it's just and they linger on it for a while because obviously back then this was like new technology and it did look good but it looks dated now yeah yeah but then uh i I do love the things we say on this podcast but when um malfoy's dad gets basically hung drawn and quartered yeah looks great yeah yeah no I, i completely agree also um just to skip back slightly to paddington again 
Um, have you seen there's a Twitter account called I'm uh, something along the lines of I'm photoshopping Paddington into a different movie every day until I forget? Yes. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, some of them are dark. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I... Um... Yeah. So yeah, shout, shout out to that. That's one of my top tier uh, Twitter accounts. That, Mascots Minute Silence. Uh, dark Stock Photos, one of my favourites. Um, I, I haven't seen Dark Stock Photos. Have you not? Um, no. I, I will, you will enjoy it. Um, not not Twitter, but Instagram. Shit Guinness is up there. Yeah, shit London Guinness. Yeah, shot, yeah. shit shit London Guinness. It it's speaks painful, to me. Isn't it? Yeah, very nearly sent things in because nothing hurts more than shit Guinness. No, no. And Sweet. I have twisted testicles <laughs> right now. Yeah, <laughs> it was an intense gym session. Uh, past tense. I I have had twisted a testicle. Not ideal. No. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. We're we're. we're... All over the place. All over the place. But yeah, that's that. That was the problem. Yeah, I just had to <laughs> put it back in its place. Um, but yeah, I think there just seems to be a real, especially like less so recently, because I think there have been a lot of very. It nearly became cool to like horror again. Yeah, and it helps that I think a lot of horror movies that have come out recently have had kind of like a political edge to it. So a lot of critics can kind of get the, uh, you know, wanking themselves off into a review aspect to it. Yeah. Because it's not, it's more of a satire than a horror movie kind of approach. But I just don't, I don't understand why Event Horizon's at 28%. It's like we mentioned before, because this was, uh, I do like Event Horizon's definitely, it's one of my favorite films and it's, I watched it so much when I was younger because we had it on video. So me and a friend of mine would regularly just go home at lunch from school and watch it. And How long a lunch were you taking? Well, this, this so not in 1997. <laughs> in, uh, so we had period three off. Oh, nice. So yeah. we would have break, free period, lunch. So, and I lived five minutes from school. We'd go home, dump Event Horizon on, like all cool gro- growing up kids did. But so I watched it so much growing up that not only is it one of my favorite films, it's like one of the, it is definitely impacted like my taste in like, this is probably what guided me towards horror. Yeah. Is it? I was definitely sci-fi growing up. And then I think this was like, Oh, but how about we take that and then add a shitload of fake blood? Yeah. It's um, I, I watched it really late. I remember, I think you mentioned it um, probably about a year or so ago and mm. um, I watched it really, really good film. Yeah, it, it's, uh, so I do find it funny, yeah, so Event Horizon, horrifically gory sci-fi horror movie, and the episode I brought it up on, I believe, was when we were talking about Lego. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because obvs. But, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not saying it should be 100%, I'm not even saying it should be in the 80s, but 28%. Oh, it's... Like it's, some something has gone wrong. It's yeah, that's not right, is it? Yeah, my my second choice, um, as mentioned, just going down in descending order with the percentages here, but sticking firmly in the um comedy genre. And in this instance, we're going to talk about Billy Madison, uh, the nineteen ninety five Adam Sandler film. I think the first one he wrote it definitely came out before happy gilmore it's def it's definitely the first so i think big daddy might have been just before it no big daddy was quite a while after 99 oh, really? oh shit i thought out. big daddy yeah. was before 
then yeah, I'd say this is the first, the first of the Sandler experience. Yeah, I think I think it probably was. I mean, I and look, maybe a lot of my love for this comes from watching it over and over and over and over and over and over again as a child because I really enjoyed it and found it quite hilarious. I when did I last watch it? I don't know, maybe maybe four or five years ago. So I think it still, you know, holds up to a degree. It's it's got a forty two percent critics rating, but again, similar to Spaceballs, much higher audience rating at seventy nine percent. It's it is immature, um, without a doubt. There's a lot of are you okay? Oh, in in preparation for the obvious discussion during during this, I just googled uh, Rotten Tomatoes, another Adam Sandler film, and it's make me really sad. Oh, okay, yeah, it's it's just it's a fun movie. It sets out exactly what it, you know is is aiming to do. It's quite you know also a fairly unique concept in terms of the the story that they that they go down with it, which is which is always quite fun. Good cast. Um, you got Bradley Whitford in there, Norm Macdonald, Chris Farley, Steve Buscemi, and should be Academy Award winner Adam Sandler. And yeah, I do. There's there's things for, that I still... for Billy Madison. I assume you mean? Huh? For, for obviously should for... be Oscar winning for Billy Madison. Yeah, he does that bit where he pretends to pee himself. It's great. There's there's a lot of it's it's fairly quotable. I will regularly say, "What are you looking at, Swan?" If there's a Swan around, not so much a gold uh, Swan tap. I don't have any of those, unfortunately. But well, you'll, you'll be moving soon, so this, now, this is, is, now is the time to yes. get your gold swan taps I'll in place. I'll look at the, um, the potential fixtures and fittings for the new place and see if we get a, uh, a gold swan tap. Here's hoping. Yeah, and also, any movie in which... So, do you remember the dodgeball scene with the, where Adam Sanders just absolutely yes. hurling dodgeballs at kids? Um, so, apparently... He actually did that. Uh, he he went to hit the kids as hard as he could with dodgeballs, and apparently the editor had to do a lot of cutting away quickly from each hit so he didn't show the children actually crying from it. Um, I've got a lot of time for any movie that um, that really uh, <laughs> that really goes that uh, into the to the character and yeah. um, the method acting. So for, I mean, for that reason alone, it needs it deserves at least a few more percentage points on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so you're saying there should be a kid injury bonus? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, um, dear Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> again, going down the route of uh, some of the, um, the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, Billy Madison is a textbook example of a half-decent idea that never got developed beyond the lying around drinking beer and making jokes with your buddy stage. Now, I think that that could be applied to a lot of Adam Sandler films, but I don't necessarily think that can be applied to Billy Madison because I think it is it is quite fun. And it does, as I said, it's, it is one of the more unique films that he's he's put out there. It was, and this guy from the Chicago Tribune um, gave it a rating of zero point five. Also, again, Empire—they're not kind to these uh, comedies either. So um, this was um, weirdly also in twenty nineteen. So maybe they were just going back and uh, reviewing comedies that they hated in twenty nineteen. But they said uh, where Dumb and Dumber was clever enough to play dumb and amuse the child and all of us, this suffers under the illusion that having a central character blissfully unaware of the need for a brain is actually a funny concept. But also, I think it kind of is. Like, it's there is also an element of Billy Madison that's like, you know, there there are these, there are elements of people out there who have survived completely off of their family's riches and are unfortunately much more well off than all of us 
and I'll take a shit. <laughs> yeah, or likely to become president of uh, the United States of America or something like that. Well, there is that. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a sad thought, isn't it? Maybe, yeah. maybe that's where they went wrong with the Trump dynasty. They didn't send him back to uh, compete against um, whoever like the top dog at uh, Trump Towers was um, underneath Donald Senior. I think it was Donald Senior or whatever his name was in a primary school. Dic- they call it academic decathlon. Don, yeah, if it t- turns out Donald Trump didn't get like his high school diploma and couldn't become president, and then had to go back to primary school and go yeah. through it all. I that that that's a film. I'd watch it. Oh yeah. Plus, it's it would still Adam us, Sandler. It, yeah, still Adam Sandler. It also given us about six months respite from um, Trump being president as well. True, which true. would have been nice. Speaking of sad, I I am looking through. Did did you do any research on Rotten Tomato scores of other Adam Sandler films? No. Cool. So. As I mentioned in the introduction, there have been 44 films that have had a 0% rating. Oh. One of them is an Adam Sandler film. Do you know which one? I'm going to guess it's Jack and Jill. No, Jack and Jill had 3%. Oh. Um... So that, that's, his, that's his second lowest where he's in it. Okay. Who'd so, be Halloween? Uh, no. Um... You're, a lo- you're, you're more along the, the right lines, though. Right, okay. So one of his Netflix ones. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. What the Ridiculous it. Six. Oh, okay. Has a 0%. And then, yeah, there are some here which are just wrong, aren't they? The one that upset me earlier was uh, The Water Boy. Yeah, that was... Um, 34? Really low, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Airheads, which is right. 23%. Wow, okay. That which, is very low. Uh, yeah, I... F- Unironically love Airhead. If anyone hasn't seen it, Adam Sandler plays the drummer for a band called The Lone Rangers, the lead singer of which is Brendan Fraser, and Steve Buscemi's the guitarist. Yeah, and they break into or bassist, and they break into a radio station. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that's also uh, there's um that came out I think the year before Billy Madison, but also had a couple of uh, so Steve Buscemi and and Adam Sandler obviously in this one as well. But yeah, it's um. It's one of those ones that are just yeah. It's it's just a lot of good fun, and it is it is funny. It's it's a certain type of humor and a certain level of humor. Maybe that doesn't apply to appeal to everyone, but to for it to be um you know forty two percent, it's pretty low, and it's an enjoyable film. And again, I do think that people maybe just get a little bit on their high horse that you know oh this is a stupid movie. Uh, it's silly humour and therefore it can't be good and actually you know there there's a lot of like Dumb and Dumber is a great example it's just a bit of a stupid movie it's silly humour it's a good film yeah um, Bill uh, and Ted that, both of those were on my list of I have a feeling these could be rotten and searched and they weren't and yeah. I felt a little bit better about the world because <laughs> we're all we're all in agreement that for ad, specifically like Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. The sweet spot was 1995 to 2000. Yeah, so you... that basically is from Billy Madison up until Little Nicky, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, yeah. I, I would probably say out of those, Billy Madison's probably my least favourite. Uh, not, like... not, not saying I think it, it, it's nowhere, it's not, a, it's not in the Grown Ups 2 discussion or anything like yeah. that. But I was more, uh, I was much more of a Happy Gilmore in the Waterboy man. Than a Billy Madison man. I know that is quite controversial. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I probably like Billy Madison a lot because I just watched it a lot. Waterboy's great. I really like Little Nicky mm-hmm. out of the out of those as well. 
but yeah, I mean, it's like you say, it was a that was the kind of sweet spot. We did the the wedding singer then as well. Yes, which yeah. is I think often I did I didn't realize the wedding singer was late nineties. I thought yeah. it was when he started doing slightly different stuff, but I still wouldn't quite call that an, like an an Adam Sandler movie is a very distinct thing. Yeah, but it's also turned into a very distinct yeah. thing. I'd say of late as well. Filming in holiday destinations. Yeah, um, apart from Uncut Gems. But <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, there's um, there's others as well, like Punch Drunk Love and yeah. stuff like that. Like he he's he seems to enjoy making a certain amount, certain type of film and power to him. But he does occasionally do something a bit more out there, and generally they're very very good. Yeah, but um. But yeah, it's as I say, it's it's a shame. It's I think it's very good. I you know if you haven't seen it, don't be put off by its rating. I, I understand what you're getting. You're getting a a, a silly Adam Sandler movie from the mid '90s, but that's still a good thing, and that's still enjoyable. This this next film uh, I'm going to talk about has a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, which apparently means it's as good as The Great Wall. Uh, Impractical Jokers the movie I didn't even realise that was a thing Neither did I Scary Movie 3 and 4 Right uh, The Matrix Revolutions Yeah. Super Troopers 2 Transformers 2 And a film called A Good Old Fashioned Orgy <laughs> And um, Final Destination Oh that feels low Yeah that feels wrong But choices are already locked in I've already gone for Event Horizon for my uh <laughs> rotten horror movie choice but just a shout out final destination you deserve better than that yeah so this kind this film's kind of in the spirit of billy madison as well this is america the motion picture oh very good so america the motion picture is directed by uh matt thompson who is a big part of archer yeah uh it was written by a guy called david callaham who wrote the script that eventually became the expendables Excellent. And it was produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who generally, if they're attached to a film, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. It is a overwhelmingly stupid film. So basically, the signs of the Declaration of Independence are mostly killed by Benedict Arnold, who then travels to Ford's theatre, transforms into a werewolf, and kills Abraham Lincoln, who is George Washington's best friend. George promises to bring the Revolutionary War to an end, and does so by befriending an assortment of like basically stupid american folk heroes so yeah but kind of dialed up to 11 yeah yeah so it's animated and it's got channing tatum jason manzoukas olivia munn judy greer simon pegg andy samberg killer mike which i forgot about yeah and um will forte in and it's just a fucking brilliant film. So when I knew we were going to do a Rotten Tomatoes episode, I went through my IMDb ratings, mm. uh, which I've talked about before. I, to a lame degree, make sure I review films I've seen. And I went through, kind of just went down from like through the tens and nines. And if anything was there that I thought could possibly be rotten, I searched for it. And America the Motion Picture is my highest ranked film, rated film, which is down as rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. And um, Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. So it is a stupid film. Don't get me wrong. 
There's parts where you've got like British buses that are like the giant walkers from Star Wars. The British are submerging Americans in tea to turn them British. Yeah. Everyone gets saved by the power of beer. It's just stupid. And that's fine. It's okay for a film to be silly. There is a time and a place for a film which is just trying to be stupidly... It's a satire on how America view themselves. And I think it is very well done. Yeah, I I would agree. I had had a lot of fun with it. It is insanely over the top. But again, it's one of those things that that's... I mean, if you've seen... If you've seen the first five minutes or you've seen any trailer of it, you know what you're you're going to get. Yeah, but you know who didn't know what they were going to get? Wade Major from Film Week, brackets, NPRLA. His review, this is a hot bucket of vomit and one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, We have uh, Charles Solomon, who's also from Film Week. Uh, They're trying very hard to be clever, outrageous, and so over the top, and it's like watching a pigeon trying to build a nest in a windstorm. You're more aware of the effort going into it than the end result. So it's not quite quoting Winston Churchill in a review. No. But still okay uh steven lloyd wilson from pajiba uh, america the motion picture is the worst movie i've watched this year uh someone called melanie mcfarland from salon.com rarely have i seen a movie so confident that its audience not only revels in american benightedness but is eager to identify with it that makes american the motion picture not only a waste of time but an insult to ignoramuses <laughs> but i feel like that's the point of the f- it's it's a self-aware film. Yeah. Like, it realises it's stupid, so reviewing it that it's stupid you're saying is it's, stupid. It's, well, or you're saying it's doing the job it set out to do. Yeah, exactly. It would be like saying um, Spaceballs is bad because it's too much like Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, but well, that's kind of what we're aiming for, guys. Like, a lot of the reviews... Like you said, I, I don't know. It's just people... Critics, at least, seem to not like to enjoy silliness i think Um, it's i think it's it's that and it's also i think the the maligned genres by critics tend to be comedy in general but certainly like silly comedy and then horror yeah for some reason yeah no exactly and i mean and the (laughs) to be fair the audience score for this film was quite low as well apparently it's just it is a film for a very particular type of person so the uh the audience score was 39 oh wow that's um that surprises me i thought a lot yeah. of people would do you, do you think there's an element of this that is that is uh because it's taking the piss out of america and americans don't like that yeah yeah i mean 100 percent. but it is one of the most surprising film like film watching experiences i've seen because I think I immediately sent the trailer to you yeah. when it appeared on Netflix, and I think I already proclaimed it one of my favourite films. Forwarded the trailer to anyone who would listen to me. Watched it like within days of it coming out. Yeah. And not just by myself, but I watched it with so my housemates at the time. So there was three of us, mm. um, and we all loved it and thought it was brilliant. And then I read the reviews and found out apparently it's shit. And it, it, it's such like a weird way round of... Like coming out of, I I had similar with, so I went to the Wales Fiji game, yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was a really fun game to watch. But then, when I got back and started reading people's comments on it, apparently, 
I was wrong and it was awful. It's like really weird going from like thinking you're the majority view in something. Yeah. And then discovering that you're really not. Yeah, I've definitely had I've definitely had instances of that uh, um, at sports games where I've thought maybe like a player, and it goes both ways, maybe a player was either really good or really yeah. bad, and then you jump onto social media or something, and it turns out that everyone has a completely different uh, view of it. But I guess that's, um, you know, that's the joy of subjectivity and what keeps things interesting. But it's, um, yeah, it's certainly a, certainly a strange one. Yeah, I mean, so one of, well, let, 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 let's put it this way, shall we? One of the audience reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, half a star out of five, Yeah, lasted 10 minutes before having to turn it off, seems to be a bunch of far-left made-up history that really wasn't funny. <laughs> Kids are confused enough about history as it is without having to make stuff up. I mean, if, if anyone's watching this from the point of view of being a historically accurate way of teaching the children of America about their founding, then I think their problems run a little deeper than whether or not they like the movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. I just, I just feel like a lot of, yeah, it, it's, Rotten Tomatoes especially, I don't think, it's okay to be a niche silly film. Yeah. And if you're taking reviews of a wide array of people, you're probably gonna, it's probably gonna be lower. Yeah. But I'd strongly recommend it. I, I talk about it all the fucking time because it is just so batshit insane i mean like a, a big plot of the film a big part of the film is them trying to find enough silver to make a silver billet to kill a werewolf so you you know what you're going into but so many people seem so far up their own ass they don't allow themselves to like it and i think that's silly and it's a shame because it's fucking great there's I there's a very good um I can't remember what the joke was now but there was a um there was a good like concession stand in the theater um ahead of the assassination um attempt on um, Abraham Lincoln mm. and for the life of me I can't remember what the the concession stand or the shop was called and it's really bugging me because I remember it being very funny but I just can't remember what it was um so uh. I don't know. Maybe I'll remember and we can drop it in later, but it, it was good fun. Hey guys, future Ian here. So the funny concession stand Graham is thinking about in uh, the introduction of America the Motion Picture was the John Wilkes merch booth, which, to be fair, is a hysterically funny pun. Oh, it is fucking stupid. They spend ages trying to find... Um this place in uh gettysburg because they've got the gettysburg address yeah and that's where this big meeting is happening yeah i i fucking love it the reviews are wrong i was out of like i said personally this is the biggest disparity between a film that i've rated and how other people have viewed yeah. it and i get it guys but also no again similar with billy madison i'm not saying it should be even if it was top end of rotten I would get it. Yeah. But I, I'm surprised it was 35%. Yeah, I mean, George Washington wields dual chainsaws. Like, yeah. Come on, guys. After doing uh, a crazy guitar solo. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a little bit of kind of like the South Parks in it as well, where I think it's a lot cleverer than people think it is. Oh, um, 100%, yeah. But you don't see the points it's making because there's, there's, there's a werewolf. Yeah. And apparently they get history wrong, and that's unforgivable. So sticking, again, with the comedy theme, 
and really a film that is I mean, it's as I said, I'm going in descending order, and this one is the lowest of the low. I think potentially the lowest of the six that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, this was another proper fuck off moment. Yeah. So the film is Drop Dead Fred, early '90s comedy starring Rick Mail, Phoebe Cates. It's got Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher is in it. Yeah, and it's again, look, I, it's by no means a. It's it's not going to set the Academy tongues a wagging and getting Oscars given out, but also it doesn't deserve an 11% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, to, to paraphrase our previous conversation on the subject, fuck that. Yeah, it's, it's, it is obscene. It's, it's a good film. It's, it's fun. It's, to a degree, I think, and a lot of people kind of have taken aim at it for being like a bit of a, like a gross-out comedy. I don't even think it is that much. There's obviously elements that are a bit like that, but I don't think it's like full-on toilet humour or anything. But it also has kind of a nice, like, semi-heartwarming narrative to it to a degree as well, given like the whole imaginary friend thing and, you know, going back to that when um, she's struggling in adulthood and stuff. It seems that there seem to be a few people that kind of got hung up on the fact that it was, I don't know if it was meant to be, but it was offered to Robin Williams instead yep. of Rick Mail, and people seem to be a bit hung up on that, thinking it would have been a better movie with him. Um, and so a few people have said that Carrie Fisher should have been the lead role. I think she didn't get it because she was deemed to be too old at the time. But I think Rick Mail is great in it. Like, it's it suits him really well. I think also having him as English in the american story is is kind of fitting as well because i think it's something to do with her absent father was british as well so it kind of makes sense as to why this is the imaginary friend that she's conjured up there are also a few people i saw that um made a lot of beetlejuice comparisons which was a bit of a strange one i think they're fairly distinct movies so so this is a not not to parrot another podcast's argument but like i mentioned to you before so drop dead fred was on how did this get made yeah and there was a it was there benny from rent right okay that's that that's the hour equivalent of uh level of arguing their main argument revolved around is fred real right okay so is Fred like a supernatural? Are imaginary friends like supernatural beings? Yeah. Or is this all a manifestation of Phoebe's like psyche? Right. And uh, yeah, turns out you can you can argue for a long time about Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> I'll be I'll be I. It's one of those films where I didn't realize it was divisive. And I wonder if that plays into the reviews of people. That's a weird it in one a as well because way. also, does it matter? Oh no, but like from what you said with like comparing it to Beetlejuice, yeah. Beetlejuice is an actual real supernatural yeah, thing. I guess so, yeah. It if just... anything, this is closer to Fight Club. Yeah, but I ju- yeah, I, d- I find it weird that that would that would even be oh. like an an issue. I think if anything, that's kind of quite an interesting part of the movie because yeah. it's something to debate. But yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one. But and some of the other reviews, I mean. There's some people out here that just, I mean, they just revel in just being miserable, I think. You've got Gene Siskel from the Chicago Tribune. This is easily one of the worst films I've ever seen, a rating of zero out of four. Los Angeles Times, Drop Dead Fred is an erratic stab at making madness sensible, a slapstick nightmare that goes a little too sane that tries too hard to be both good and rotten. 
this is so John Hartle, some the Seattle Times. He's one that he um, that goes in on this whole Beetlejuice thing. Says it tries too hard to mimic Beetlejuice, especially in Brick, British comic Rick Mail's frantic performances. The title character Mail is no Michael Keaton, but it has a whimsical comedy edge. Rating two out of four. I just don't. I, I like I say, I, and like you said as well. I don't really think that the Beetlejuice comparisons are that fair. I think the only the only similarity is that. Tim Burton was offered Drop Dead Fred to direct, and he turned yeah. it down. But yeah, I mean, it's not. It's a it's a very different movie. It's Beetlejuice. I, the only comparisons is there is a girl with a weird over the top friend. Yeah, and that's basically it. Yeah, that's like saying, uh, "Well, Dune is quite like Beetlejuice because <laughs> you know, Sandworms, right? It's basically yeah, it's yeah. basically the basically same thing. the same movie. Do you know um, what ties Drop Dead Fred with last week's? Movie recommendation nobody asked for. Um, so, uh, Drop Dead Fred is the only non-Prince project to have ever been filmed at the studio it was filmed at. Oh, really? So it was filmed at Prince's Paisley Park Studios in Minnesota. <laughs> and it only ever made Prince-based films. And Drop Dead Fred. And apparently, like... Obviously. Prince would secretly visit the sets at night. Just, like, slinking around doing Prince stuff. I could... I mean, Prince as... Drop Dead Fred. Oh, 100%. Would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, he, he would definitely be a weird imaginary friend. Oh, God. Can you imagine how weird his imaginary friends would be? As an imaginary friend having other imaginary friends or just in general Prince just as Prince, a child? Just, pr- like, what uh, just his, straight out documentary. Just talking about his imaginary friends. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be. It would be odd. Love you, Prince. But yeah, it's, as I say, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a lovable film. It's funny it's by no means you know the best comedy ever made but i think rick mel is very good in it and it deserves a lot better than 11 percent on rotten tomatoes and even if it was in the 40s i would i would still think it's wrong but like yeah. okay i get it yeah but nearing single digits is bullshit absolutely and quite rightly an audience score of 77 percent um yeah so I think, yeah, it, maybe it's maybe it does come down to this whole kind of divide between critics and audiences on the enjoyability of comedies because it seems that, yeah, as I say, critics seem to be quite uptight when it comes to um, comedy, especially one that's just a little bit silly. I, I, I wonder how, like, obviously it's a difficult hypothetical because, um, oh God, sorry, I just looked at what other film to rate at 11% and that just makes me sad. After Earth? The Point Break remake, <laughs> a film just called Spiders. Good old Spiders. Two Fifty Shades movies. Excellent. But yeah, I I, I wonder. It, it's a difficult hypothetical because arguably, if somebody else was playing Fred, it would be a different film entirely, right? But I wonder how different it would be. People's view of it would be if it wasn't Rick Mail, because like there was talks of Jim Carrey at one point, I think. Yeah, and as I say, Robin Williams yeah. was like the I think the first choice, but he went and did Hook. Which is another criminally low Rotten yeah. Tomatoes score. That's in the 30s, I think. Yeah. So it may not have boosted up enough because um, maybe maybe Robin Williams can only add 20%. Maybe what we needed to do was have Robin Williams in Drop Dead Fred and Rick Mail in Hook. I mean, I'd absolutely like to see both. <laughs> oh, God, I love Rick Mail. Yeah. And incidentally, both died in the same year. Oh, wow. Hmm. My, my favourite stuff Rick Mail has done is the bottom live stuff. Mm. 
So the bottom live stage shows are fucking amazing because they're even more over the top than the TV series. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, I, I think my favorite uh, Rick Mouse stuff is, is the young ones just because I watched it a lot when I was younger and found it hilarious. And I, I was, it was one of my first um, sort of exposures to like the whole, well, I guess comedy of that, ilk in general but also um like the fourth wall breaking and all of that kind of stuff yeah um, which obviously they do in bottom as well but yeah. um yeah i think i think it's maybe similar to the monty python logic of the the first one i saw is the one that i really i kind of is my favorite but yeah young ones is great i i, I haven't watched that I, i've i've seen enough to know i like it yeah but i've watched all of bottom yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's just a fun word to say I've watched all of that, but I haven't seen all of um, the young ones. I mean, you, you must have seen the the, uh, the University Challenge episode. Yes, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. and the... them going over through cliff over a cliff. Yeah, yeah. Like I knew enough to know it was my kind of thing, and then obviously Lord Flashheart as well. Yeah, like any t- to be to be able to steal the show in one of the best sitcoms ever made is a feat in itself. Yeah, especially um, as a. a, a tiny cameo yeah or a relatively tiny cameo oh, it's still yeah so he flash heart was in two episodes i think so yeah and then rick mail was a different character in uh the second series god i need to rewatch blackadder blackadder's great blackadder's a weird one i remember buying the box set at uni having loved watching blackadder and then watched the first series blackadder and thinking what the fuck am i watching because this is not blackadder because <laughs> they bought in i can't remember which way around it was like either the first one was just Ben Elton, yeah, or they bought Ben Elton in after the first series. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure which way around it was, but yeah, the the, the one thing with Blackadder is I've watched it. It's kind of similar to Father Ted. Is that it's so good I've forgotten how good it is mm. because I can I could I can mentally replay entire episodes. Yeah, yeah. So it's weird to watch now because you laugh a good five minutes before every joke. Yeah, because you know but, what you know what's yeah. coming. Yeah. Oh, good old Blackadder. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, I think um, unfairly unfairly maligned on the Rotten Tomato scale is Drop Dead Fred and um, sod all of you. Final choice. Your final choice. Final choice. So this film has twenty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which according to okay, so one of the films I'm about to list sounds awful, but it has possibly the best. It's the best film title I've ever seen. Right. So just FYI. So according to Rotten Tomatoes, this film is as good as Underworld Blood Wars, which is Underworld 5. Excellent. Resident Evil Afterlife. Okay. The Nicolas Cage film Looking Glass. And a film which is about a dog that plays NFL. Airbud. Airbud 2. <laughs> Golden Receiver. Okay, well done. Right. Yeah, well done. That I mean, that deserves that deserves at least fifty percent on the name alone. Yeah, that that's. Uh, I'm sure it's a terrible film, but just for the name, it deserves more than twenty one percent. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of tied into this one because this is also a sports movie. So it's from nineteen ninety two. Uh, it's directed by a guy called Stephen Herrick, who also directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, mm. uh, and it's the Mighty Ducks. Nice. Which the first one? The first one. Okay. Uh, Mighty Ducks 2 had 20%, and Mighty Ducks 3 had 20%. Oh, I thought... Which I still think is bullshit. I was going to say, D3, I think, is one of my... It's probably my favourite one, I think. 
I, I think the second one is very good. What is also very good is the TV series they just did. I didn't realise they did it on uh, Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so I think it's Game Changers. Okay. So basically, it, it's an interesting like spin on it. So the Mighty Ducks have become like everything they hated, basically. Right. So they were so successful, they, they're now basically the Hawks from the, the original film. Yeah. And a team gets kicked out of it, and they form their own team. And then you've got a lot of... So... Amelia Estevez is back in it. Uh, a lot of the original cast kind of have cameos and things like that. But it was a really just fun TV series. Uh, strongly recommend it. But The Mighty Ducks is a classic, not just kids film, but sports film. Oh, it's great, yeah. Like, it is the, temp- it is the, it is the template, isn't the it? the <laughs> template for it. Um, to talk about South Park again, the South Park parody is one of my favourite South Park episodes. And arguably the darkest where uh stanley's cup which is also a great name yeah but yeah i don't this this was a surprise so i i love the mighty ducks movies but uh you know who doesn't derek adams from time out who called it just a very lame ice hockey flick oh derek alex sandal from juicy cerebellum okay i chose to work as a cashier at a gas station over being an extra in this i chose wisely that sounds like bitterness Oh, absolutely. Steve Rhodes from Internet Reviews. The script by Stephen Brill is pure formula and totally predictable. He takes absolutely no chances. It's a kid's film. Uh, Chris Hicks from Desert News. A poorly directed and utterly predictable yarn aimed at the small fry who will probably be entertained by its simplicity. It's a kid's film. Yeah. Uh, And Roger Ebert. It must be said that this film is sweet and innocent, but at a certain level, it might appeal to younger kids. I doubt if its ambitions reach much beyond that. It doesn't have to. It's a kids' film. Yeah, I think people are trying to equate it to something more than it, more than it's trying to be. Yeah, it's my um, uh, my fiance's kind of talked at length about this with other things, including things like Taylor Swift and stuff. It's like and oh, and Twilight. It's like people seem to love dicking on things that girls and kids like, like. It's fine to just be a very good kids film. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's there's a lot of them out there, and also there's that's they're serving a purpose, right? You can't show, you can't necessarily show, you know, we we can't all be Ian's dad and take um, yeah, <laughs> and you, take your your children to watch uh, Predator and Twelve Angry Men. Predator, which I'm assuming. Uh, all right, let, let let's play this. Uh... Rotten Tomatoes uh, quiz show game, shall we? Uh, what do you think Predator has got on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I'm going to say 65. All right, I, I'm going to say... I'm going to go 88. Okay. I'm, I'm going big. All right, let's check. Drum roll, please. 82. Mm. Only 49 reviews, though. Uh, oh, look who it is! One of the negative reviews... Derek Adams from Time Out. <laughs> With its stilted dialogue and hammy acting, the film is the look of an expensive production but the feel of a B-movie, delivering the sort of undemanding monster mayhem Arnie's fans have come to expect. Fuck you, man. Predator is a masterpiece, and Predator I'm not going to be told otherwise. Um, Interesting. Big drop down to Predator 2. 50? 30. I think Predator 2 deserves more than that. Yeah, it's nowhere so. near as good as Predator, but it's not bad. And as we've as we've talked about previously as well, um, 
Predators is great. Have you seen they're doing a new film? Yes, yeah. Called Prey, because uh, you can't call it the type name of the main character because they've already done that. The Predator was shit, though. Yeah, I never saw that one. Like, offensively shit. Back to the Mighty Ducks. Uh, I Yeah, I, I don't... A, apart from being pretentious, I don't understand any reason why you would rate the Mighty Ducks negatively. No, and I think it goes back to this similar... Uh, the, the Predator higher score than Predator 2, though. Just FYI. That's fair, that's fair. Um, oh, wait. No, it's not. What? <laughs> yeah. What did it have? 33%. Oh, fuck that. That's wrong. <laughs> Although, weirdly, the first one I've seen where the uh, critic score and audience score is exactly the same. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the podcast is going to you making statements and me saying whether it's fair or unfair. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, it's... The Mighty Ducks... I, I, I rewatched it recently in my... Uh, because of my theory that it's easy to work while a sports movie's on because you know everything that's going to happen. Yeah. And it does stand up. It, it's just a great film. Like, it's, it's exactly what it needs to be like you're not going into a film called the mighty ducks about a kid's hockey team expecting well expecting uncut gems no and that's uh, and that's the thing i think that's the thing with a lot of these things right if you take the movies for what they are what they're trying to do what they're aimed at you don't necessarily have to be a massive dickhead critic about it you can just say it's a good film for this genre uh, for this audience Here's, yeah. here's a reasonable score. I'm not saying you have to give it 10 out of 10. You don't have to suggest that it goes up for the palm door, but you don't also don't have to give it half a star. Yeah, being for kids isn't an insult. No. Or, or a negative review. Like Again, two of these reviews specifically say kids might like it. Yeah. It's like, oh, all right, well, that's a successful, that's that's a a successful film. Movie. Even though I did just say I rewatched them all. I was never a big fan of... Is it Mighty Ducks 3, Gordon Bombay's in... Like, he turns up at the end or something? Yeah, I think so. I've not seen them in a very long time, so yeah. I'm, I'm also talking out my ass and just agreeing with you, but yeah. Yeah, I fucking loved it. And I don't... I don't get it. It just kind of... I, for, yeah, for me, it highlights everything that's kind of wrong with film critics. Because for a lot of people, a good film has to be a very particular thing. And if it's not that, it means it's bad. It has to but, be the Citizen Kane of the genre. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or not even the genre. It has to be Citizen Kane. Yeah. And anything outside of that kind of boundary is therefore bad. And that is just a very binary way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, and I don't agree. I, I think a film can be just for a particular set of people and still be a good film. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying The Mighty Ducks is an incredible film that will especially be enjoyed by small fry, as critics from Desert News says. And I won't be told otherwise. On that note, then. On that note. To bring on to the whole point of the podcast, mm. what's, your, what's your top three? Um, my top three, or I've given you my top three, but if you mean in order. Yes. Um... So out of, <laughs> out of your choices, what would your top three films be i think i would go uh, I, I think i'm going to do this in the unjustness of it all and that's so what i was that's what i was thinking i was gonna, i was going to go unjusty i'm going to go drop dead fred at number one because 11 percent is, yeah. is criminal in second place i'm going to go Spaceballs, even though it's a higher rating than billy madison i think Spaceballs is a very very good film and 
56% and calling it rotten is just not okay. And then Billy Madison in third. I still think it deserves more than the 42%. However, yeah. um, it's, I think, the Drop Dead Fred and Spaceballs, their differentials are, are much greater than um, than Billy Madison. Yeah. I, I, I think kind of, for mine, for like a similar argument, so number three, I would go America the Motion Picture. Because like Billy Madison, I'm not surprised it's rotten. Yeah. I'm surprised it's as rotten as it is. Um, so for me, that's an automatic three. I would go, uh, for, again, for kind of unjustness and maybe a bit of surprise, I guess, Event Horizon 2. Mm. Just because it deserves to be fresh. But again, if you told me it was like 70%, I would think that was fair. Yeah. Like, just not rotten would be good enough for it. But The Mighty Ducks, for me, is far and away my number one, because not only is it the lowest the lowest score at 21%, but I, I, no part of me can grasp why it is. I, I think it's uh, a lot better than that, and it's also hugely surprising and unjust, because it is a crazy loved film. So yeah, so America the Motion Picture, Event Horizon, The Mighty Ducks. So what are we, as a podcast, mm. what are we uh, nailing to the mast for this one? What are um, we putting out there into the nether sphere? I mean, that's an interesting turn of phrase. Yeah, I thought I'd go paranormal. Um, I feel like, uh, speaking of paranormal, I think Drop Dead Fred's got to be number one, just because of how low it is in comparison to... To have oh, I had a it. visceral reaction to you telling me Dr. <laughs> Fred was uh, 16? 11. 11. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that. And then um, I guess if we go on percentages, maybe Mighty Ducks in second and then Spaceballs in third, because even though Spaceballs is st- uh, the higher percentage, it is criminal that it's rotten. So it is it's Spaceballs, which is 56%? Yeah. Or Event Horizon at 28 Yeah. Which is half. That's uh, my, my math skills quick, on quick display. Yeah. Yep. Well, I've actually been figuring that out since you mentioned uh, Spaceballs. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would... Part of me wants to say I get why people wouldn't like Event Horizon, but that's also buying into people not rating horror movies. That's just accepting something that is fundamentally wrong with the world. Yeah. But I, I, I get it, yeah. Uh, Spaceballs... If you told me out of Spaceballs and Event Horizon which one is rotten, I would say Event Horizon. Mainly, yeah, mainly yeah. because I assume that's how the world views horror. But also, I thought Spaceballs was a classic. Yeah. And not just a spoof comedy either. Like, I think what Mel Brooks does, which or what a lot of people have forgotten, is uh, it was a very funny film that also spoofed things. Yeah, yeah. It was a good comedy in its yeah. own right. Which is what I think a lot of the Mel Brooks films do, and a lot of like the, well, like uh, Top Secret and Airplane and stuff like that. You yeah. don't have to have seen what it's taking the piss out of to find the jokes funny. Oh, not at all. I mean, uh, yeah, we we discussed Airplane at length, but it's but yeah, that that is a very funny film without. Yeah. And and I would say most people not knowing it's necessarily a spoof of a specific film. Uh, so okay, all right, yeah, I can, I think I can agree with that. The th- yeah. Yeah, no, I yeah, I can't argue against that because the three that aren't in our top three yeah are the three which if you told me they were rotten I wouldn't be 
I would be annoyed, but not overly surprised. Not as surprised. None of them yeah. I would think were as low as they were. Yeah. But the three we have picked, there's no world where they should be rotten at all, let alone... Uh, let alone 11% for Drop Dead Fred. Yeah, fuck that. Okay, so, uh, the podcast nobody asked for is top three rotten movies we love. So coming in at number three is Spaceballs. Number two is The Mighty Ducks. And number one is Drop Dead Fred. Uh, if you agree with us, if there are any other rotten films you enjoyed, uh, you can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for. And you can also find us on Patreon, where you become a friend of the podcast and uh, help us continue to troll Rotten Tomatoes for unjustly <laughs> bad reviewed films. Yeah, and maybe we could just um, set up a bit of a fund for us to start writing uh, some reviews instead of our day jobs and, you know, justifiably no. get some of these uh, these films the recognition they deserve. Um, if you think that's a good idea, if you think we're idiots for even suggesting such a thing, let us know on Twitter at Nobody Asked For Pod with the number four. You can find us there on Facebook as well. Um, and all podcast nobody asked for goodness can be found at www.thepodcastnobodyaskedfor.co.uk and remember to leave us a review on podchaser and apple podcast and in your review put any future episode ideas you may have and we will do the best ones so that was that was this week's episode i'm not gonna lie the drop dead fred thing has legitimately fucked me off (laughs) (laughs) it's i i it's the most surprising of like i of all of them to be that low just is insane but yeah especially when we some of the things that you've mentioned were at a, a similar level uh, to like your 21 percents and stuff yeah uh, and this is it's decidedly lower um it's not okay damn yeah, you critics not. trying to trying to come here with your opinions about films for this.